Trevor is going to be speaking on steps four and five, and those are made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves and admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. So we'd like to hear what you have to say tonight. All right, Trevor. Thanks, Greg. My name is Trevor Holiday. I'm an alcoholic. Glad to be here. Thanks, Kevin, one more time for inviting me to uh, participate in the Legacy group, and I'm um, glad to be here. I've got my sobriety station all set up here. It should be smooth, smooth sailing. Um, got my friend Ken representing uh, from the class of '81. He, uh, so he's he's here, and now we got a couple other ones. My sobriety dates April 21st, 1981. So I'm glad to be here. Ken's here from Johnson City, Tennessee. And uh, I see a few other people I recognize. And I'm glad, glad you made it. And I'm glad everybody's here. And we're here in a very important fourth, fourth and fifth step uh, night. It's really important. I mean, I think anybody who's been around in AA for a, long, for, a, for a while will agree that it's, it's, it's 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 critical that we that we get to this and do it. So um, I hope that I can give a as my friend uh, Harold L from Missouri talked about when he was speaking at the conference. Talked about making an adequate representation. So I don't want to I don't want to joke around too much, but maybe I will. Who knows? Um, I, I do I do have to um, as is inevitable inevitably uh, get up. And, and tell tell a little bit and talk and you know fill up some time and talk about our experience in Alcoholics Anonymous and hopefully get sober sometime during that process and then afterwards I'll either remember or somebody who's listening who's in the same car with me will <laughs> point out and it's true. I forgot something really critical last week, so I'll 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 I'll, I'll change it. I, I don't think so. I'm not going to change it, but I'm going to I'm going to uh, elaborate on it. Which was uh, last week. I was on second and third step, and <clears throat> in step number two, apparently, apparently, I left out the idea of sanity. Well, that's kind of a big deal. Um, so I'm told. Uh, <laughs> Carolyn said it, and then and then I go to a, a Zoom meeting on Tuesdays with my friend Ken here, and and we talked a little bit about that in reference to the tenth step. Um, but I just wanted to say that what it was pointed out to me early on, and I think it's true, um, when when we're looking at that co concept of sanity. So this is a little refresher. We're going back into step two. Um, that the, th the idea of sanity is not like, you know, insane asylum sanity. We're talking about uh, having to do with this, the sanity so that we don't pick up the first drink or the insanity where we do pick up the first drink. So the sanity that we're referring to in that is the sanity to not pick up the first drink. Um, and <clears throat> not to get all quotey about it, but it, it, it does say in the 10th step promise that by this time sanity 
will have returned. You know, we won't recoil, we'll, or we will recoil from a drink as if from a hot flame. We won't be tempted by it in the same way. These are promises that we get further on down the line, after the fourth and fifth step, six, seven, eight, into the ninth, and so on. So one of the, the we're later on, of course, year, not years, weeks from now, we'll be talking about in the ninth step, maybe next week, actually. Yeah, um, and um, part of that's the promises, and one of the promises is we'll react sanely around alcohol. I mean, I went to Wegmans today, I'm going around the corner, there's, you know, enough booze to sink a ship, and I, that came to mind is, you know, we re react normally because uh, by this time, sanity will have returned. So some of us come in with some baggage, I know. You know, some of us come in with some, some diagnoses. I came in with, as, you, as, I know, as, as I said earlier, I came in with chronic alcoholism as my diagnosis, but some people come in with um, uh, serious uh, mental, mental issues. It, it alludes to that in our steps is that uh, there are those two who suffer from grave emotional mental disorders, but many of them uh, can recover if they have the capacity to be honest. It talks about in the big book that there's, there's the, you know, this type of alcoholic, there's that type of alcoholic, there's the manic depressive type about whom a whole book could be written. So, but we never find out about that is what my sponsor said, what my sponsor said, my sponsor, his sponsor said, you know, because that's how he did it. He said, but what Lloyd says is that if, if uh, you know, if we don't get, if we don't get sober, we're never going to find out anything else that needs to get addressed. But first we got to, first we got to get, uh, first we got to get sober. Uh, the other thing Carolyn pointed out, so you know, people might want to know a little bit about me. How did I get that chronic alcohol ick uh, diagnosis? You know, I was 22 years old. I was coming back from Korea, but you know, I, and I had a, a, a jacket that said chronic alcoholic. So I thought, well, I guess I better tell a little bit. <laughs> I had a jacket in, in my briefcase back then. Um, but I was 22 years old. Uh, so tell a little bit about myself and I'm gonna make it quick because I really do wanna uh, get to the fourth and fifth step. Um, well, let's go back uh, a few years. I think we should go back to like about, 300 years, uh, <laughs> 1720, 1730, um, my first ancestors came over from the old uh, Scot Scotland by way of Donegal, Ireland, and they landed in Philadelphia. They were Scotch-Irish immigrants. Those are the people that figured out how to make whiskey. Uh, and they landed in Philadelphia and they, uh, they wanted land and they wanted to have guns and they couldn't have had either, either of those in the in the old country, so they went west. They didn't get along with the Philadelphia, the Philadelphia people, the city of brotherly love, you know, the, the Quakers there. They were a little bit more rambunctious than that. And I know that that's kind of, that, that may or may not be a trait. I've heard people talk about their nationalities with certain traits, but that's one that apparently is ours. There was a good book written about the Scotch-Irish. It says, Born Fighting. That was the, uh, <laughs> that was the title. And it's, you know, kind of like an attitude. So there we were. Um, 1796, my great 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 grandfather came from what was Hollidaysburg, um, Pennsylvania, up through the through the woods with his wife, horse and horse and wife, through the woods. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they were armed, um, and uh, 
settled on the banks of Lake Erie out there in North Springfield. So they're still there. The, the, the cemetery is still there, filled with holidays. And so there I am. So I'll tell you a little bit about that and then come forward a little bit. Uh, my great-grandfather left the farm, left the farm in 1871, went to Western Reserve, went to, went to medical school. Uh, he didn't have to have a college degree at that point to go to medical school, so he, he went and he was a horse and buggy doctor until he expired at, at an early age because it was such hard work. But he sent his son to, he sent his, his son, my grandfather, to Harvard, to or Cornell and then Harvard to uh, uh, law school. And he was, a, my grandfather was a big, big success. So from farming to big, big success, he, uh, he, he became, he was, he was befriended, I guess, or he was, he was, he was given a job as a young lawyer in Cleveland to go out to John D. Rockefeller's place and give papers to him, take papers to him, and Rockefeller liked him, and so he put him to work, and then he, he became the head of a, a big company. So he's a big, he's a big shadow. He cast a big shadow in the family, I should say, a big, big guy. Okay, I never got a chance to meet him, but my, my father. I was a very smart man, intellectual, also went to Harvard and graduated with a degree in paleontology, went to work in the oil fields. He had alcoholism, okay? He'd met my mother in, in Cambridge. My mother, my mother came from Cambridge, my, uh, which is like being from Boston, only maybe more so, right? <laughs> so so they, they, they were married and had six kids. I was the last one. I was the apple of my mother's eye. I've talked about this before. She, uh, she, she was really happy to have a, have a son on the scene. And apparently my father was, you know, it was problems because alcoholics have problems. And, and the money was tight, right? You know, the, the money didn't translate from, down, from up in Cleveland down to Houston. And, uh, and so there were problems. And, we, and uh, I'm not saying it was, you know, tough times for, you know, like not not eating, but uh, I'm sure my sisters would probably have a different way of saying this, being that they're all older than I am and they have different views of things, but um, that's the way it was. So then uh, some money came in. My father succumbed to my mother's de desire to move back to New England, right? Like she was thinking Cambridge, the hub of the universe almost. But uh, we went to the northern Maine, which is not the hub of the universe. It, it wasn't in her eyes. And she, he continued to drink. And uh, five years, five years uh, I was 12 years old, and five years at that point from uh, moving up there, uh, she died of, of a long illness ca of cancer. And uh, um, I was 12. My father, my father got remarried quickly, like within a month. Yeah, that was an interesting little turn of events. Turns out that he knew, knew a lady back in Cleveland who he'd known a, a long, long time. And so we moved to Cleveland. And, you know, I was talking about that thing about the, the, the grandfather and all. He'd long since passed away. People still talked about him, though. And, uh, and this was a, I was thrust into, I was thrust into a little different atmosphere than uh, Holton, Maine, which was uh, a private school, coat and tie, cotillions and dancing school and this and that. It was, you know, um, and I, I went to, like I said, boys school and got, got drunk soon after. I'd say by, by two, three years after my mother was, had died, 
I was I was at the stage where they could have if if uh, if they if they done the diagnosing they could have said chronic alcoholic at that point so I was drinking as much as I could whenever I could that's what I did and then a funny thing happened I said like my, my father got a whole little money he was always had a scheme right you know he's like one of these guys always had some you know I'm gonna you know we're gonna go get this molybdenum mine or something you know he's a great guy but um, he got a little money and uh, and or I should say he had the money, and then for the five years while we were in Cleveland, he spent it. And so that was that. So um, he was no longer welcome at this, uh, the, at, to be in the same home with uh, wife number two. So we both moved to Tucson, Arizona, where I had some family out there. And uh, he had no uh, means to support me, and I didn't need to be supported, to be honest. I didn't need to. Um, I was 17, almost 18, whatever. And uh, I, was, I was drinking. I was drinking a lot, and I went from that, you know, I went from, like I said, the coat and tie and cotillion prep to uh, being out on my own, on this, more or less on the streets of Tucson, drinking and drinking, and then joining the army and drinking, and then by 22, there I was at the, uh, where I was, coming home from Korea with the uh, jacket that said chronic alcoholic, and I looked it up, it means you do it over and over again. That's what that means. So, <clears throat> I don't say that just to, to kind of fill up a little time, but, you know, I was just saying, if you had that background, you'd drink too, to be honest. I mean, you know, if you're alcoholic, you'd drink. And so the thing is, we've all got different, uh, we've all got different uh, backgrounds. And our stories don't, uh, are just for reference. They're, you know, how I felt, how I felt when these things were going on, uh, I felt certain ways, you know. I, 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 I can talk about those things to another person one-on-one, uh, -on -one, and, uh, you know, I can relate to a lot of different things, and sometimes they can relate to me. But the point is that we all have different stories, and <coughs> the, 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 the key ingredient is that we all, if we're alcoholic, drank too much, but more importantly than that, couldn't stop when we drank and always wanted to do it again, okay? And that was me. So um, they said, <clears throat> they said, uh, once I'd gotten the sponsor, I got. And I think I covered about that, that you know, taking the, taking, going backwards, he said, have you done this step? And I said, no, have you done the ninth step? Have you, have you paid back any of that stolen stuff? No. Have you made a list of it? Have you, no. Have you, have you written it? No, I certainly had not written the fourth step. Okay? And he seemed to think that that was very important. And I said, well, what about this? You know? And I, of course, paraphrase all the time because how could I remember something that happened 41 years ago? I don't remember the conversation, but I remember the gist, okay? And the gist is, he said, well, well, my sponsor says, Lloyd says, uh, that there's a lot of what different ways you can take that fourth step. You know, and uh, Ken probably remembers this term. You could do the so-called French novel approach. <laughs> where, where, and I, I thought, well, that might, be, that might be good. You know, the thing is, I tried to write a fourth step before. I, I tried to write because I, I, uh, I've used uh, one of those pieces of yellow, yellow scroll of yellow paper with a, t you know, I thought if I, I could do that with a typewriter, I could just, you know, if 
<sighs> you know, it was going to be very, very romantic, very glamorous. <laughs> the fourth step, um, he said, you could do the, the fourth step as a, as a so-called French novel approach, but he didn't recommend that. He thought that was probably not a good idea. And I said, well, what's, what is a good idea? He said, well, our book, surprisingly enough, lays out some pretty clear directions for how to do a fourth step. <laughs> so the way I did it, he said, the way I did it was pretty much the way that they recommend doing it in the book. And I must have missed that part of the book. But, but there it was when he pointed it out. It's, it's a grid. So I don't know. I, I'm just going to go ahead and, and take a look at it because it's so good. It's so good. Oh, there it is. The book opens right to that page. <laughs> it's upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business takes no regular inventory, usually goes broke. Taking commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fa fact-facing process. I'll also point out my friend Ken. Um, I'll ref refer to him. He talked about last uh, Tuesday in this meeting that that uh, taking an inventory in this manner implies written. It's, it's writing, right? It's not, it's not just, you know, kind of free associating on our head or, or uh, you know, drifting around and talking to this guy and this guy and this guy. It's actually writing it down. And um, it gives a, it gives a, it gives a, um, a template. My friend uh, Linda back in Pine Top, she was married to Bud, so it's Bud and Linda. Bud and, Bud and Linda said, oh, it's the grid. That's the grid. So, so if you haven't gotten, uh, if you aren't acquainted with these people, you really should. They're great. These, these are people you should, these are people you should know. Aaron, you should know. These are Mr. Brown, right? Mrs. Jones, my employer, and my wife. Okay. Well, I would, I would, I would say that's Mr. Brown's half of Mr. Brown's name. It's really, if you were to listen to my father, if my father was saying it, he would have said, uh, "It's Mr. Brown, that sob." Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how my father would have said that sob Brown. First of all, he's got a lot of attentions to my wife. Well, that's putting it mildly. You know, this guy won't leave her alone, right? But all I'm writing down is, or all Mr., you know, whoever is writing this, let's call him Mr. Wilson, no, Mr. White. We could call him Mr. White saying, he, his attention to my wife. And they do something interesting because they say, um, what does it affect? It says, it affects my sex relations and self-esteem. You know, you know when, when, when he talks to her, it makes me feel like crap. You know, so I don't like brown, sob. You know, <laughs> and and um, they they say don't. They don't say don't. They make a suggestion. Uh, what my sponsor said was don't use other extra words. Use words uh, like that were in here, like self-esteem, pocketbooks, ambitions, personal relationships, including sex, were hurt or threatened. And, well, you know what? He didn't just—he didn't just have like he wasn't just paying attention to my wife. You know what else the SOB did? 
He told her about my mistress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you drink too. I mean, if, and so what does that affect? Sex, sex relations, self-esteem, including fear. And it turns out white and brown work at the same place. Because guess what? Brown, Brown's a little brown noser is what he is. <laughs> Brown's going to get my job at the office, so that affects my <coughs> self. Yeah, well, that's not even written. We could, we could have another edition. Or, or, you know, if you want to have a plain, plain verse or whatever this is. But Brown may get my job at the office. That's a security or pocketbook, right? And uh, self-esteem, because he's probably going to tell my wife about it. Well... He's going to move over to another division. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. So, so then that's Mr. Jones, or Mr. Brown. Then I don't know what happens to Mr. Brown, but uh, Mrs. Jones, well, she's a nut. She snubbed me. I mean, I, I wasn't that drunk, right? I wasn't, so uh, she snubbed me. She committed her husband for drinking. Yeah. You know what? He's my friend. She's a gossip. And then my employer, who's also, what, working with Brown, right? He's got Brown on his short list for when I get sent off to you know where. Uh, he's unreasonable, he's unjust, he's overbearing. He's going to fire me for drinking and padding my expense account. Pocketbook. <sighs> oh, my wife. She doesn't understand me. <laughs> She nags. All these things. She, and, you know, not only does Brown like putting the moves on her, but she likes Brown. <laughs> and she's been making, she, you know, you can imagine the conversation. Honey, I'm thinking maybe, you know, with your situation at work, maybe we should put the house in my name. <laughs> she, she wants to do that. And I'm like, boy, have you been talking to Brown? <laughs> So, all of these things, I, I, I say it, some, I guess, somewhat humorously, but the point is that I had all of these things. Not, I was not married, obviously, at that time, and I, but I knew people, and I was burned up. And it just seemed like there, the task was too large. Plus, I had my friend Ken, and Ken, I don't think you'll mind, say, you know, put a gag order on me, if, but Ken had a very, apparently, a very extensive list himself. So I kept hearing, I have got to, I have got to, you know, be thorough about this. And they had things that they would say, oh my God, the things they would say at that home group, they'd say, nothing counted but thoroughness and honesty. In other words, you know, that too. Uh, they'd say, if you got something that's in doubt and you're wondering whether you should put it down, put it down, write it down. You know, Mr. Brown may seem trivial. Uh, you know, my first grade teacher who, who uh, discovered that I hadn't done any of the work that I was a work, you know, what a first grade teacher did, you know. But nonetheless, I mean, I was supposed to be doing stuff, but I, I will never forget the look of scorn, or just, just the look that she gave when, you know, I had a little cubby <laughs> under my desk, you know, where, where, you know, they would hand out something that I'm supposed to do, and I would take it, and <laughs> I was born fighting. I don't need to put it in there. I was more, way more interested. 
And plus, I was a lot of I was smart in a lot of other ways, other than things that you know they were teaching. So who needs school? Who needs it? But I remember at the end of the at the end of the school year, they she and this this other like maybe a student teacher looked in the cubby and started pulling out all these. What happened here? What happened here? I didn't do any of it. I hadn't done any of it. No. I mean, that's not why I'm not saying, you know, if you skipped a little of your work, like all of it, when you were in first grade, you're going to end up being an alcoholic. But my, my attitude toward it and remembering that I was, you know, annoyed by her reaction, that's a, that's a little indicator, you know. <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah, I was really smart in a lot of little ways, you know, the ways that little poindexter kids can be. I, I was, you know, kind of bright in certain ways. Now that, I thought, just gave me a pass on, on everything else, you know, that was, you know, that was official. So I don't know if that's a relatable thing, but it sure, it sure was for me. So I, 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 it took me a long, long time, and in some ways I've never gotten over that. Sorry. <laughs> but there's, there's certain things I just, you know, I, I just go, I, I don't know how to do it, and I'm, I'm probably not going to find out. So. Um, which is which is hard when you're going to school. Um, anyway, we went back through our lives. Nothing counted, but thorough. That's where they got it. These people, God, these people at the Southside group, they were reading the book. It said nothing counted but but thoroughness and honesty. And when we were finished, we considered it carefully. So it was resentments, was what I'm getting at. These were things that we were resentful at. They said you're going to write a list of people that you're resentful at. at people at whom you're resentful. You're going to write them all down. And then uh, you're going to write down the cause and it affects my, and you're, going to, and you're just going to keep going until there are no more to write down. And I thought, well, that's an impossible task. Impossible. I can't possibly do such a thing. I remember trying to shortchange the circuit, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but I'll say it because it's kind of, it's kind of funny. But I went over to Alex's house, and I said, I can't do this. I can't do, I can't I can't write down all the people, and I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna, you know, the the cir the, the 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 curtain's gonna come up like in the Wizard of Oz, and you know, he's gonna say, okay, well, <laughs> for you, <laughs> no, yeah, uh, but it didn't. Um, he's just, you know, he put took the coffee out of his microwave and said, okay, so what? And I said, I think I've got it figured out, Alex. I I don't have to do all these resentments. He said, well, why? He said, because I figured it out. Oh, well, go ahead. Uh, yeah. I said, I figured it out. It's like the whole trend of all of these things that I'm writing down is, you know, these, these are people I was like, you know, I like. And so it, it's true. It's, it's corny. It sounds corny, but there's that song. You only hurt, we only hurt the one we love. That's it, isn't it? Right, Alex? He said, if you think I'm going to give you a pass and you can go ahead and not do the rest of your fourth step because you got some stupid idea like that. You're crazier you're crazier than I thought. So I didn't get off the hook. I had to keep writing. But eventually it did it did come to an end. And my friend Ken, again I'm gonna quote him because he said something very pertinent, which was he asked his sponsor, and I and I don't didn't know he asked him this, but he asked, but I, he told me this later. He said, what happens, you know, because you know us, we like to mess with our head. You know, we like, eh, it's like it's a little, uh, you know, 
our, our head saying something it's like well what happens if i get all the way through writing all this you know i'm like i'm finished writing war and peace here you know and uh and i find out like i and i go on read it to the sponsor and blah 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 in the fifth step and i missed something i left it out and tom who's ken's sponsor said something real real good he said well that's what the tenth step's for huh. so finish it finish the thing after i did that i wrote down fears it wasn't just things like you know bite getting bit by a scorpion or you know things that are physical fears eventually like especially i think especially i got to this with my uh inventory that i did with luther the second time around at age or at 19 years um things that were fear of the way i would come across things fears of the way that people would perceive me fears of not getting what i want fears of of uh, not having enough fears of running out of money fears that this would happen fear that that would happen fear they said fear is the um is the corroding thread that goes through our life and it's harder to get in touch with i think than than resentment resentment's sort of easy to get in touch with because we're we can all just kind of go out there and find somebody or something that's going to kind of <laughs> kind of torque us i mean I don't know about you, Aaron, but I can. But anyway, not to pick on Aaron, but I, I certainly can. Um, and, uh, and so we, we wrote all those down, and I think that kind of brings me... Oh, and then the sex inventory, and, um, and then we said that uh, two things. One, that uh, we were... We were um, we were trying to find a way to guide us from here on out. In other words, we're not just doing this for now, but we're doing it for what comes afterwards. In other words, we're trying to find a way uh, uh, what our life, what, what we can use as principles from, for our life afterwards, A. And B, we're also learning a lifetime skill that we can use later, like Tom said in the 10th step. If I've left something out, or if there's something that comes to mind today, that or that or I have a a crop, as Ken said, a crop of things that come up, I can use the tenth step. I don't have to go all the way back to 1730 or whatever. I can I can I you know I'm mad at my grand. I, no, I don't have to. I don't have to do any of that stuff if it's something that's happening today. I've got a tenth step that I need to write. I can write it. I know the tools. I can take it to somebody. It doesn't have to be my sponsor. It has to be somebody who's, um, you know, uh, awake and alert and hopefully has done the steps. <laughs> and also, my sponsor, Luther, added something. It's not in the big book, but he added it, and I think it's pertinent. He said, after you've done the, the, the resentments, the fear, the sex inventory, he said, there's another category. Oh. This was not good news. But he said, this is the take it to your grave list. And he didn't have to explain it, and I don't think I do either. So he said, there's the list of things that you're going to take to your grave, put it on the list. So I did. Um, and that brought us to the fifth step, and that's where I'm going to keep just kind of bring it up to see. Uh, why are we doing all this is a great question. Why, why, why torment ourselves? Like, this is hard work. 
I wouldn't do it if I didn't have to, to be honest. I, I don't think anybody in their right mind, and I tread lightly about that considering what I said about sanity, but I, I don't think I would, I don't think I would do this if, if, I, if I didn't have to do it to stay sober, and that's what they said we're doing it for. It's not because we want to become great people and really become good and be, you know, wonderful. It's nice. I mean, it's nice to be all that, but it's really, it's really so we don't drink anymore. Because if we don't have a fourth step, if we don't have a written fourth step, and my sponsor said, write it in pen, don't use a pencil. <laughs> Reason he said don't use a pencil, because pencils have erasers, just write it in pen. But when you've got it, you've got a fourth step, and then you can do the fifth step. And the reason that we do, why that's so important is that if we don't do the fifth step, it says in our book, we're likely to drink again. And he said that over and over and over again. If we don't do this vital step, we are most likely to get drunk. He said, we're going to get drunk, is what Alex said. He was blunt. You get drunk if you don't do this step. And I saw evidence of this then and in 41 years of watching and observing I see it over and over and over again people try and withhold this stuff they don't want to do it they don't want it and they will come up with Susie would say everybody will come up with a wonderful reason not to do this they will they will find some way not to do the fourth and fifth step not to do the fifth step they will move. <laughs> change home groups. Change sponsors. Shift sponsors. They will say, I didn't do a very good job on the third step. I think I need to go back there. They'll quit going to AA meetings. They'll quit going to meetings. And they'll get drunk because they don't want to do this, because they want to withhold certain vital things. They want to hold back. They don't want to, they don't want to tell anybody. And I'm not going to say, oh, and then afterwards you're floating on air because, you know, you're floating on... That's not the case. Not for me, anyway. I felt a little better, but I'll tell you what. What I felt best about was the idea when he said, after I'd finished the fifth step, I'd gone over to my sponsor's house, had a long list ready to, 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 to talk about it. I went to his house and I started talking. And I talked and I talked and I talked and I talked. Much, much longer. Well into the night. I won't tell you how long it was. It was a long, it was a long conversation. And he didn't say much. He didn't say, oh, I did. He didn't say that. He didn't say very much. He said, keep reading. Go a little faster. You know, I don't know what he said. <laughs> Need some coffee? Okay. You know. But point was, I did it, and when I was finished, he and several others probably can't even, because he'd already done his. But people, people said, "Welcome to, welcome to the ten percent club." So, what does that mean? You know, I don't think I have to explain it. They said ten percent, make it, do the tenth step. Stay sober, keep going, and a lot of people don't. And they had told me this, Tom, Tom had said this early on. I mean, he said it point blank, you're young, you're 22 years old. You are a long shot. 
you don't have a very good chance of staying sober in Alcoholics Anonymous because of your age and this and that. You better hold that funeral or hold that funeral chair with both hands, and grip it, you know, and do whatever you need to do to, to stay here. And what I could do is get a hold of these steps, do the, do the, do the fourth and fifth step. Um, If I were saying to somebody, you know, obviously I'd say, you know, get get a sponsor, do the do the steps, do the fourth and fifth step. Um, maybe not necessarily as as fast as you can, but do it do it without haste. We talked about I talked about the grace period we get here when we we've got a certain amount of time before we need to take certain actions. But if we go too far after that grace period's over and it's invisible, we may get drunk. Okay. So if you go too far without doing that fifth step, you may not get a chance to do it. So find somebody, if, you, if you're listening and maybe listening later in time, because I understand these things are recorded for posterity, but, <laughs> but if you've got, you got somebody, find somebody you can trust, find somebody, close mouth friend, and, and, and go to it. And don't leave anything out. Don't, don't, don't shortchange yourself. It's, it's you you're shortchanging if you leave something out. My friend Bud, I mentioned before, had a funny story. He said he got through the, and I'd say it only to, only to shock, but uh, he, finished the, he, he finished the fourth and fifth. He knew he had to do it. He did the fourth and fifth step. And uh, the guy looked at him and said, huh, well, that's pretty interesting. I'm, I'm, I've never done one of those. I wonder, I wonder what, if, maybe I should do one of those. And so I would suggest before you launch into something like this, vet the person. <laughs> you know, say something along the lines of, so, Mr. Wilson, have you yourself done a fourth and fifth step? And, and, make, that, and, and make it clear in some way that they've actually taken these steps. You know, that's the same thing about, like, getting the right sponsor. It's easy to come into Alcoholics Anonymous and say, you got a sponsor yet? Got a sponsor yet? And you can get, uh, you know, you can get the wrong sponsor. <laughs> you know, or you can get somebody who's not appropriate. I was going to say Joe shit the rag man, but I decided not to. <laughs> um, you get the wrong guy, and it's not going to help. Right? So find find the right person. Find And maybe it's somebody... Carol, I'm, I'm going to finish up just in a sec, but Carolyn and I were <laughs> we, we were going to be in this uh, in this we're on the, we were on this committee to have a little uh, conference, and uh, and they said, um, oh we're going to get we're going to get what was his name Bob Dave I don't know what his name was but oh. he he was from out of town he was from way out of town we got him he was a uh, fourth and fifth step expert yeah fourth. Oh, he was from across the international border, long way away. But he was a fourth and fifth step expert. I mean, he knew, per, uh, perhaps he knew more than was contained in these few pages. I don't know. But he knew something. And he said, well, great, let's get Bob and Dave, or whatever his name was. He can, he can come lay it on us on about the fourth step or the fifth, and the fifth step. He can, he can come talk about that. And they said, well, I don't know if we want to tie... You want to ask him? Well, no, I don't really. Why aren't you asking him? He's such an expert in the. Well, the problem is nobody really likes him. He's kind of a jerk. <laughs> I, 
he's kind of, you know, no, he's, this guy is, I'm going, and I raise, raise my hand. Yeah. It, excuse me, such a jerk. How, you know, what, what, what has been the fruit of this uh, great fourth and fifth, fifth step expertise that he's supposed to have? I mean, I kind of think you go on and maybe you might, I mean, you don't have to be, you know, Norman Vincent Peale, but at least you should be a guy that somebody's willing to call up and say, hey, could you come and lay a little fourth and fifth step on us? Well, apparently he wasn't. And so apparently, whatever. So find somebody that's got what you want is, is, the, is the short form of that. Don't just find somebody that sounds like they're a GD expert on it, okay? So I'm no expert, but I know what the, I know what the book says, and I know what I did. And if you got any more... Uh, Oh, and by the way, I've brought my Diamondbacks hat, so if you want a photo op after the meeting, you can, you can, you can wear that with pride, and we'll take a picture on your own phone so you can send it out and say, yeah, baby, go, go snakes, right? So you can do that. Uh, there's a little photo booth. Kevin's got that all set up. Anywho, um, um, let's see. So third step, we did, this, we did the prayer, right? And we thought, well, uh, oh, it, it wasn't going to have any uh, a lasting effect unless done with immediately followed by the fourth step. So we got on the fourth step. We did the fourth step. We found somebody's a closed mouth friend. We read it out to them, and uh, so that, you know we should be good to go. That's uh, that's where we are uh, now. Now we're going to go home and think well, or no, we're going to go home and review. Like my friend, my friend Tony goes, I don't think I've I don't think I've done this right, Alex. So, why? Well, I don't think I've I don't think I've made that arch. Well, that's the arch that you read about it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's right between the fifth and, and the seventh or fifth and the sixth step. So, anywho, anyhow, uh, that's all I got. I, I had a good time. Yeah. Thanks, Trevor. So now we have time for some questions. Who's got a question for our speaker? Paige, got a question? I think you just said that you had 41 years in the fellowship. Is that correct? That's correct, Paige. How often do you revisit doing the steps? Great. Uh, I have. I got sober in April of '81. I went through the steps with my sponsor in 1982, and I was. I was reacquainted with the steps in what was that year 2000 okay I went through them again with my with my friend Luther because you know that expression when your ass falls off my ass had fallen off so I I went back and I took the steps but what happens what happens for, what happened for me and this is my opinion and it's it's based on my my opinion and my experiences that I've gone forward with the steps. I did the inventory, and did the amends. And when I get to and I get to 10, 11, and 12, the maintaining steps, those encapsulate all of the steps, and that's what that's what I do now. So, to answer your question, I went through once the best of my ability. I went through a second time at 19 years without drinking. By the way, I didn't drink, but I but I did it again, and and now I'm at, I do steps 10. Which, can, which contains uh, inventorying. I have prayer and meditation, and I try and help other people stay sober. Thank you.
Who else has a question? Carolyn is. So I don't have to address this in the car. <laughs> Are you going to the three frogs you. on the lawn? No, story? no. That was third step. I forgot I missed that. that. Right. No, I was just wondering if Alex pointed out the exact nature of your wrongs to you or if you figured that out yourself when you did the four step because I um, I thought I had the exact nature of my wrongs down when I did the four step you know and mm -hmm. then but then my sponsor kind of categorized them for me when I did the fifth are we talking about the um are, are we talking about what what happens at, at when we complete the inventory here, as in the uh, the fourth column, which I realize now that I didn't mention at all. Okay, then in that case, I'll mention it now. Okay, so I don't have to bring it up next week. Um, what there's there's kind of a funny thing, and I and I and I went back. I went back to my original big book that I used when I did the when I did the steps with with um, with Alex, <clears throat> and let me look. This is not it. This is the one that I did with uh, with with Luther, and he was way more specific about it. <clears throat> but nonetheless, um, he said there is on page sixty-seven. Um, and I had it starred in the first big book, so I think I did do this. That's my thinking. I, I hope I did, and I'm pretty sure I did, because I don't see how I could have missed it. But it says, referring to our list again, in other words, Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, etc., um, putting out of our minds the wrongs others had done, in other words, putting out of their mind what he was, the SOB did, uh, we resolutely look for our own mistakes. Where had we been? And then it it circle circles selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. The big, you know, big four things. Where had I been selfish? So um, that's where it talks about how we get the ball rolling. You know, even though I may, have, you know, I may have been not much at fault as a as a first grader or something like this, but in some way I may have been um, self-seeking. I was frightened, um, and also I carried the resentment for a long time. So. The, the fourth step was very critical. When when I did it with Luther, he he actually had me do a fourth column, you know, which I've heard people do. I think I did it at at the time of the fifth step with my first sponsor, but that's the best of my recollection. But I did it on paper the second time around. So if you're doing it for the first time, I recommend doing it with paper on paper. Yeah, is that? Yes, I hope Kevin doesn't demote me to the back row. <laughs> well, thank you, Trevor. Um, I, I do have a question or two, maybe. But um, one question that came to mind, now I'm forgetting what it is. Um, anyway, whenever you were working on your fourth step, did you just write through, write it all, and then talk to your sponsor? Did you have any kind of inter, interim meetings with yes. your sponsor? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question. And I, what I've what I've done since then, uh, on the occasions when I've helped somebody get started on this, is 
do one or two uh, items first to see that I'm on the right track. In other words, I'm not using the so-called French novel approach. You know, because the tendency is like the second column, where were they at fault? Well, let me tell you. You know, it's, it goes into a paragraph. Keep it in concise, short, short sentences. So I did go through with one. But, but he said, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to um, do a whole lot of those with you because I don't want you to get relief. In other words, you're not going to do the, I don't want you to get relief and, and, and then not complete it. So in other words, um, he didn't want me to go, oh, here's 10. We're going to do 10 more next week. Meanwhile, I'm feeling kind of okay now. So what the hell is the point? You know, I'm not going to finish it that way. So at least that's the way it worked for me. Some people have different circumstances that mm -hmm. cause them to do it differently. Okay, and oh, oh why well, have another? I do have one other question, just kind of quickly. Um, did you have any need in doing your fifth step, or has anyone you sponsored had a need to take it, you know, to a clergy person or feel the need for some kind of absolution beyond just sharing the story? Um, no, I haven't. I mean, I, 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 I've talked to clergymen, yes, but not in the, not in the, not in regards to the fifth step. Thanks. Hey, Trevor, thanks for sharing with us tonight. One of the things that you said, which I thought was super important, was your story about the guy who was the expert on the fourth and fifth step. And it, one of, in the little time I've been here, what I've learned is knowing the steps, doing the steps, does not compare to living the steps, like living the program. And you can know all about AA, and you can know the principles backwards and forwards, but if you're not living it, it's really not of much use. You're still miserable and you're a relatively poor ambassador for the program. I wonder if there are things that you look for in folks, like telltale signs that sort of hint to you, yeah, I think she's really working the program, or it's working inside that person. Are there things you look for? Thanks, Pat. And by, by the way, happy birthday. Congratulations. Um, yes, I mean, people, people who have, have, have had, a, had a good experience in Alcoholics Anonymous and have worked, this, worked the program, done the steps, and are living the program, uh, their whole demeanor shouts that. It tell, they, 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 you can tell. I can tell. On the other hand, I can also tell the other way too. So, and, 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 and I think a lot of that, I, I thought you were going a different direction with that question, Pat, so you'll forgive me if I answer a question you didn't ask, but uh, also uh, doing these things, working them, doing it kind of like as a scientific project and getting it all done and getting the tick marks down and all that, that can, that can also avail us nothing, sadly, if we don't keep on going with this thing. Because I've seen people who've done really good, they've done wonderful work with steps one through five, even nine, and I don't know where they are now because they stopped. So it's, it's a process of keeping on, keeping on, coming back. And even though sometimes it doesn't seem like this is what we necessarily want to do, 
this is what we do to keep keep getting better and keep getting better is, is the name of the game thanks thanks Trevor thank you